Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. I'm Cassandra. And I'm Karami. And this week, I'm going to be doing a little thing about a gentleman known as Nat Rollo. He was an Indian criminal. Okay. <laughs> I had never heard of it, but my husband had suggested it to me, and it's quite interesting. It's it's something different. Um, like I said, I'd never heard of it. But first off, I would like to tell y'all, if you listened to last week where we talked about our fraud film, Catch Me If You Can, and we were discussing whether we thought Frank Abagnale was actually on that game show to tell the truth. Ooh, I thought about that later on. I was like, well, do I want to actually Google that or not? I looked it up, and he was. Oh, was he? In 1977. Yes, he was. He was on the game show to tell the truth. He also, I found out, was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson several times, several times, at least three that I know of that I saw. And he was also on The Today Show with Tom Brokaw. Do you remember him? He was like a newscaster guy? Yeah. So Tom Brokaw. Yes. Yeah, yeah, not exactly. (laughs) So, like, he was on several TV shows just telling the world about what he did, I guess. People must have found it fascinating. I mean, it is. It is. I mean, it is. He was really good at it, and some of the stuff he did was, while not great, was funny. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it wasn't great, but it was kind of funny and entertaining, you know. It made for a good movie. Let's be real. Yeah. So let's get started. Um, Nat Rolal is known as the con man of India. He was born Mithilesh Kumar Shrivatsva in the village of Bangra. He was the oldest of two brothers. His father was a station master at the Indian Railway. And... He was said to have been married twice and has a daughter somewhere. I don't know if he, like, knew her, knew her, but that's all the background information I could find on this gentleman. Okay. Um, His first con that he ever did, it's kind of funny. He had a neighbor who had asked him to run an errand for him and deposit his bank drafts, which was like, I guess, basically an earlier version of what we now call a cashier's check. Okay. Or a treasure check. Okay. Um, yeah. So Mithilash realizes he can forge the neighbor's signature and take out money. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Smart little guy here, you know. I don't even know. It didn't say so I, I, that information I could not find. I read several, several articles, and it was like everything said the same thing. It was really hard to, like, find deep information, you know, any details. Oh. He ended up taking out 1,000 rupees over several transactions before the guy noticed. So, and I think that's, like, equivalent to, like... I don't know, me and Jay did a couple, um, like, conversion-type things, Mm -hmm. and a a rupee is equivalent to, like, an American, like, penny. Mm -hmm. Roughly, roughly. It's not exact, but... pretty low. um, So, 
maybe like a hundred dollars. It was like, yeah, it wasn't a ton, but at that time it would have been because this was like, listen, for thirties, forties, fifties, whatever. For anybody who isn't well off, a hundred hundred dollars is a lot of money. That's true. Yeah, regardless of whether it's American or rupees or yen or that minister. is true. That is true. But also, like it was back in the day, so a hundred dollars would be worth more than it is yeah. now with inflation. Yeah. And Mithilesh then flees to Calcutta, where he uses the money he stole to register as a student for a bachelor degree of commerce. Oh, all right. So I'm like, okay, he took the money, but then he's going to use it for something sort of kind of like smart. You know what I mean? It's not like he's doing something bad with it. I don't know. Right. He was also working as a part-time stockbroker. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. What? You can just do that? I guess. All right. And at some point, he tried to start a fabric business, but that failed. I also read several articles that said he was a lawyer. So I have on here lawyer question mark because I was like, was he or wasn't he? Because some articles said that and other ones didn't. So I was like, I if you can just be a stockbroker, maybe you can just be a lawyer. I was like, back in the day, you must have just been able to do whatever you wanted. I don't know. You know what? I think I'm a, I'm a doctor now. Just like Frank, you know? Yeah. He's just doing a bunch of jobs. Just watch some TV, pick up on the lingo. You're yeah, go. and there you go. You can do whatever job you want. Due to his knowledge of the railway freight industry, which is what his father did, and his business degree, as well as being a stockbroker, I mean, this gave him kind of like an advantage when it came to scamming because he knew a couple things. You know what I mean? Like, he had basic knowledge and background of like you know banking i got you but i'm still stuck on the neighbor because why is he why was he able to just steal the money and go to college why wasn't the neighbor like lock his ass up like arrest this little man because he stole my money here's the thing he probably did get arrested at some point for it but we'll get into more things about our friend here so this helped him with that, like, minimal info he had about, you know, business, bank regulations, and rules, and also, like, his little bit of knowledge about the railway. It helped him kind of, you know, get in good with people, but also, like, just, like, having, like, a working knowledge of that helped him because he was very good at, like, conning people and pretending to be people he wasn't, mm-hmm. like our friend Frank. Okay. He's Indian <laughs> Frank. He's Indian Frank, basically. He was also known to be very good at falsifying documents. Oh. As well as signatures. Oh. People who knew him said he could just watch someone signing something and then copy, like, the flow of their writing and, like, figure it out by the hand movements or gestures they were making while they were saying he could just do it well maybe he should have went off to be like a handwriting analyst for the police or something see he could have done something good with that now <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but no he didn't <laughs> which is kind of sad but i mean he he could have done something better but that's how all these people are it's like they could have done so many things but yet here they are being criminals yeah you know it's a choice. 
to each your own. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> And in 1937, he was apprehended for the first time. This this kind of blew my mind a little bit for stealing 10 tons of iron. I mean, sometimes you need iron. And I'm like, how? First of all, because it's gonna be heavy. Did he steal a ship? Didn't say he did. <laughs> you know what? This is mine, actually. I don't know. There really was no other. It just said that, and there was, like, no other background information. Oh, I just pictured a young Indian man just, like, commandeering a whole ship. So it's iron. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> a little pirate. So for, like, a little bit of time, he switched to poisoning prostitutes. What? Sir? By giving them poisoned alcohol. Why? And stealing their jewelry and cash, and then just taking off. Okay, but he didn't kill them. No. Okay, well, um, okay. We're, distill isn't great. Uh, he didn't kill them. I, what the fuck ever in that world? Not world. <laughs> no, I don't know how to say it properly. I've listened to it a million times and I still cannot say it. Yes. Yeah, because like, I watched a little video and I'm just like, I feel like I'm going to butcher this every time I say it. Sometimes names, like no matter what you're doing, you just can't get it. There's For some reason, I struggle so much with certain areas and not others. I can rip off a good Indian or Nigerian name, but don't, do not ask me to do some Polish shit. It's so funny because it's like in my head, I know how to say it, but when it comes out, I feel like I'm butchering it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel you. That's, that's how I feel when I try to do certain accents. In my head, I can do this accent, but then yeah. when it comes out, I sound like that, that chick that tried to do the Jamaican accent, and it just was this... <laughs> really bad. But he quickly realized it was too risky to try to rob people that way. You know what I mean? Because, you know, to rob people? Well, you know what I mean? You I just didn't rob. I was no. like, why is he robbing people? He wasn't robbing anyone. Robbing? <laughs> to, be, to be clear, he wasn't rubbing anyone. He was robbing them. There's the cat. There's the cat that you were talking about the one episode. Oh, so I finally found the cat. Yo, I finally found the cat. It's only been like six episodes since that happened. <laughs> yeah, it, he chills in that window sometimes. He, she, I don't know. Yeah, he quickly realized it was too risky to like poison people and try to steal their jewelry and cash and just take off, you know, because so he turned back to conning, which is, you know, less risk and more reward, you know? I mean, I'm a fan of anything that's less poisony. So. Yeah. It's a, definitely a little more uh, difficult doing stuff like that, but also just like, what if you accidentally gave them too much and that's what I'm thinking. You know what I'm You killed someone. I don't know. I couldn't live with that. I couldn't live with that either. He also defrauded thousands of shop owners, jewelers, jewelers I can't even say that word, or both jewelers and bankers and foreigners by using fake checks and demand drafts, which... I looked that up and it was saying a demand draft is issued to a customer from a bank directing another bank or one of their other branches to pay a certain sum to the specified party. So it's like from a bank to another bank saying, give this person this money. Plus, like if my bank told your bank and they were like, listen, listen up, fucker. You're, <laughs> you're yeah, going to pay $500. It's not like an actual check from someone's account. It's just like this bank issues it to this person and is like, take this to this bank. Or they can take it to another branch of that specific bank is what I also heard. 
That's weird. So is it like, it kind of comes across as like it's a loan at that point, not really. I guess maybe, maybe it was like a, ver a version of the first. I'm, I'm thinking, and since I book loans for a living, I'm thinking yeah. that's what it was because that's what demand means in terms of today's loans. Demand. You could be right. Yeah. Demand means payable upon demand, which means like, so somebody might open a line of credit and that is the demand note, meaning but, that at any point in time, the bank can demand that you pay it back. So okay. I'm thinking, so because like how possible, you know, if if it weren't a case where he had to pay it back, like why would he just be getting free money? Like why would one bank be directing another bank to just cash just out a check? Him money? Yeah, you know what? You're probably right. I'm thinking it's a you're probably right. It's probably like um, the first like versions of what of a demand note. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Interesting. So he knew how to f he would fake these. He's finessing people. He was finessing people. He knew how to fake them. But also check, he would fake checks also in order to pay for things. He wore disguises and used more than 50 different identities. Now I'm picturing him with one of those sets of glasses with the nose and the mustache. <laughs> he didn't need to because he had a mustache. I've seen pictures of him. <laughs> but he did. He wore disguises and it said he used more than 50 different identities. And I was like, dang. Well, like, he got Frank beat. That's a lot of different things you're going around pretending to do or be or that's the thing about them too it's like how do you keep it straight that's why i don't lie because i know my dumb ass is not going to be able to oh, remember the things for sure for sure same and in the 1950s he defrauded the punjab national bank huh punjab is it punjab Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> that one I know. <laughs> a national Bank of 6.5 lakh rupees through a scheme involving train freight and rice bags, but there's like no specifics about that either. Mm. But Lee and Jay did like some conversion type things, and it would be like about $120,000 today. I love how Jay was just sitting around casually. Calculations. We <laughs> were doing calculations. I was like, babe, I need to know what this would be equivalent to. And he's just sitting there. If I gotta talk about this. He was highly skilled at, at imitating signatures, as we know, but he would like imitate signatures of well-known figures, including the first president of India. Oh. The very first one they ever had. When did they start that? I don't know. I don't have a specific year, but it had to be around the 50s because that's when he defrauded that bank. So, and this information was very close to that. So I want to say around the 50s. I feel like our education involving India is very much. It's very lacking because I don't know shit about it. Like I can tell you about all the fucking dynasties of China and whatever, but I'm trying to think of, like, what did they do then before presidents? Did they just have empires? They did. They had okay. empires. Okay. Because we're going to get into that, but we're not quite there yet. Um, so, yeah. Couldn't just pretend he was basically anybody because he could imitate, like, signatures just like that. Like, bing, bang, boom, I'm going to do this signature. Sure. Could have started a whole business, say, like, getting kids out of school and stuff and charge five bucks and clout <laughs> for an imitator. That would be hilarious. He's also alleged to have stolen, like, boatloads of money from a number of well-known industrialists in India by disguising himself as a social worker or homeless person that was, like, in need 
but you would also pose as business managers of like some sort of, you know, probably various different businesses if he had over 50 identities and also as a purchasing officer. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. He must have had a lot of things going on. Kind of dipping his toes in a lot there. Yeah. But Mr. Nat Rawal is most famously known for selling the Taj Mahal. And not once, but three times. It's free real estate. So this is what my husband told me about. And I was like, I have to look this guy up. And then I decided to do my, you know, episode about him because I was like, that's just too ridiculous. <laughs> Can you imagine? I like, like I, trying to sell the White House. <laughs> I can't even imagine. He, he not only did he sell the Taj Mahal, but he sold other historical buildings as well. I mean, <laughs> do, do you got to do so he sold the Red Fort, which is an, a historic fort in the old Delhi neighborhood that served as the main residence of the emperors when they were, like, ruling. Who did he sell it to? Did you get that information? Yeah. Like, it was just like, okay, this seems legit. I'm going to buy this piece of property. He also, he also sold the official residence of the president of India, since <laughs> there was a president. And the Parlat Parliament building, along with its 545 sitting members. <laughs> so not just the building, but the people as well. Oh my god, okay. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to laugh because we should definitely not be condoning crime. It's super but... ridiculous though. Do you know? You can't not. I feel like I should have a disclaimer that, like, I'm not laughing at this. We're not laughing I at it. I think it's a good idea. Oh, I'm yeah. laughing because of the ridiculous factor. It is totally ridiculous. So he was selling these places to gullible foreigners by posing as a government official. It was Americans, wasn't it? He was selling to Americans. It probably was. Stupid-ass Americans. They didn't specify. They just said foreigners. Hey, Billy Bob, I'm like this building and all these people over in India. I can only imagine, honestly. I just don't know why you would find that believable. But apparently some people did. I I had to have just been paid for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still laughing. Still laughing about Ben I'm still laughing at the ridiculousness of it and just thinking about it. And you're right, it probably wasn't American. <laughs> Guy down in the swamps, like, I just bought 145 Indians. <laughs> it was 545, so it's like even more. <laughs> it was only six bucks. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, Natralal was thought to be like a Robin Hood type character <laughs> to his community. And he supposedly gave some of the money that he stole to the less fortunate all right i mean he's a little bit of redeeming going on i mean i don't know but that's what they say and he was really popular due to his stories going around of his many heists and how you know just off the wall crazy it was you know what i mean just like very wild stories so every time he would go home, like, large crowds would gather. 
it's so funny because like nowadays if you know you get that one weird kid in school who's makes those kind of delusional claims of grandeur and you're just like sure jan <laughs> but or you did and back then they were just like hell yeah he did that he did that and we love him for it we're going to praise him in fact <laughs> oh, it's just so funny but the thing is like what he did was mostly non-violent and he only targeted rich and powerful people so like the less fortunate people are, of course, going to be like, well, after a while, because he started with the, the hookers. I mean, they're not exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, that, that wasn't so great. That wasn't so great. But yeah, I don't know. But do you imagine like you are literally selling your body because you don't have anything else? Like, and some fucker robs you, robs you, poisons you, knocks you out and robs you. Yeah. I'm like, man. He I had to have for a short time. I had to have seventeen hours of sex to get that. To get and that. now, like, ah, oh, I would, I'd kill him. I'd kill yeah, him. that would be very upsetting. Very upsetting. Locals said he would attract large crowds, as I said. And when he came home, he there's even a story about him organizing an entire feast for the community. And giving 100 rupees to every poor villager, which we figured out to be around 20 U.S. dollars. Ish. Better given some of it to the hookers. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you paid back those hookers. <laughs> so later on, they say he was charged with a total of 14 counts of forgery in Bihar alone and received 113 year sentence now this is like total over time because he is very good at escaping the police okay okay and so he would get locked up and then escape and then get locked up and then escape and it's estimated that he only served a total of 20 years only only due to his numerous escapes so does it say how long he was out before he was apprehended again? Like, did he get out now, for like six months and then... Now, I have no idea. But he, I'm, my assumption is he was locked up many, many, many times and just got out, like, every time. Well, here's the thing. They say he was detained. They do tell you he was detained nine to ten times. So... Over the years, like nine to ten times, they're not—they're not entirely sure, but somehow managed to escape. Pretty much every time. That would be so annoying because I know how annoying it is when I open my door and Ellie just bolts out. If that happened nine or ten times with a prisoner, I'd probably be so pissed at that point. Like, God damn it, he's out again. At what point do you just give up and be like, you know what, you've earned it. I'm good. <laughs> you do your thing not coming after you anymore this i'm just i'm done we're done <laughs> yeah i don't know he was very crafty at his escape attempts and fled the campor jail in 1957 by dressing in a stolen police uniform <laughs> and paying off the guards in his cell with a suitcase of cash where the hell did he get that though the guards, the guards even saluted him as he left. 
But after he left, they found out the suitcase is actually full of newspapers. So they didn't check it? They didn't check it before he left. He was in jail for fraud, and you didn't think to check what he gives you. I was like, what a bunch of dumbasses. I mean, they kind of deserve that at that point. Truly. Navarlaw was wanted by police in eight states for over 100 cases total. <laughs> and in 1996 was the last time that Nat Rolal was arrested at the age of 84. So he just kept going with this. Yeah, I mean, for a long committed. time. He was very committed. But wait till you hear this. He was being transported from Kampur Jail to the All India Institute of Medical Sciences in New Delhi for treatment, but once again managed to escape, even though he was elderly and in a wheelchair. At 84 years old, he still escaped the police. How the fuck do you lose an 84-year-old in a wheelchair? I'm telling you. It's just wild, isn't it? Just let him go at that point. If if you can manage to lose an 84-year-old wheelchair-bound man, if he gets the best of you, I think you should just let him have it. And clearly they did, because that's the last time he was seen by authorities, was that day on June 24th, 1996, at the New Delhi Railway Station. After that, he was never seen again. They see me roll with <laughs> They hate <laughs> I swear, it's just... That's why I was like, I have to talk about this because it's just <laughs> ridiculous. It's too silly. It's just crazy. Um, could you imagine an 84-year... Well, here's the thing. They were in a rail station and he did have some knowledge of the rail stations because that's where his dad worked. So he must have new ways around. He probably hits behind the seat and then caught get out. Scene. Would be my guess. Because well, that's there's true only too. so much you can do if you're wheelchair bound. True. So he probably true. knew where to to stow away. It's a, it's just wild to think about, and even his death is shrouded in mystery. Okay, it's just crazy. His brother stated that Natrolol was cremated in 1996, shortly after he eluded his capture, but his attorney says he passed away on July 25th, 2009, which is like a 13-year difference. It's a big difference. Yeah. 1996 to 2009. Yeah. It's like a 13-year difference. It's crazy. So no one knows the exact date of his death because this attorney says he passed in 2009 because he was asking for dismissal of over 100 charges against Nat Roloff. Because he said he had passed away. So I wonder if the brother thinks he was cremated and he really wasn't. Who's ash is there? And he says he did it himself. So people think maybe he escaped through the people the crematorium. Yeah, people think that it was like a ruse to say he was dead after that escape attempt. Yeah. And he just went on living his life. Or maybe his brother was in on it the whole time. Yeah. And he just made all that up to give his brother, you know, a way to just be free because no one's looking for a dead no man. He's looking for a dead man. And that's what I think people are saying happened, or at least they think. But no one knows for sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's crazy. Either way, he's regarded as the greatest con artist in Indian history. 
They they even started referring to other extremely cunning con artists as Natrolaw. It's like a nickname now. It's like a thing. It became like a slang. It became like a slang yeah. that they use. And many Indian con artists say his career served as inspiration to them. So hmm. there you go. What an inspiration. What an inspiration. Indian Frank. And he has been compared to Frank Abagnale, as well as an Austrian-Hungarian criminal, Victor Lustig, who sold the Eiffel Tower twice. Oh, well, we're going to have to do an episode. I was like, we need to talk about this man's now because... Yeah. I was like... I mean, we got to do the whole trifecta. We've done Frank's now. We've done Nat Warlal, and we got to do this other guy, and... Get all of them anyway. It's just wild. And in 2011, at the location of his former home in Bagra, the community wanted to erect a statue of him because they consider it an honor that he belonged to their small village. They're like, yeah, not real okay. Love that guy. <laughs> Let's make a statue. Whether they actually did do it or not, I could not find any information. It's just that they, in 2011, they were like, wanted to do it but i don't know whether it actually became a thing and came to fruition hey if we have any indian listeners let us know yeah that would be nice but there have also been bollywood movies influenced by his life also where and like they literally are like about people who do this sort of thing and they call them not we all you know they go by that same name so, I mean, it, it was a big deal. Like, it was a big deal. <laughs> a big deal. And people, I, like, kind of sort of idolized him in a way, it seems like. Yeah. Even though he wasn't doing the best things. He was a criminal, obviously. Mm-hmm. And just like our buddy Frank Abbott now, people say that, like, a lot of this stuff is exaggerated. Do you know what I mean? Some of it's probably not truly factual, but I guess we'll never know. You know what I mean? Like how there's no way you can disprove it at this point. And uh, like the superintendent of the police and in Varas Varanasi, I don't know how to say it, said he is remarkably clever. I don't believe that he was a pauper as he claims to be. Or the stuff about distributing his money to the poor and that he had no vices. Saying we need to probe more intensively into his past. Which is like, his past is like kind of shrouded in mystery because it's like nobody really knows too much about it. Except for that whole story about getting his start with stealing the money from the neighbor. Yeah. So like... I just find it interesting that they're like, okay, the thing we don't believe is that he gave his money to the poor <laughs> and that he was actually poor. <laughs> I'm like, why would that, those be the two things you don't believe? Yeah, Out of not, all of those stories. The whole thing's pretty wild. So yeah, I wouldn't even know what to pick and choose to believe or not believe. So I kind of found that interesting that, that that's what this guy is saying he doesn't believe. I was like, really? Of all the things, the 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 selling of the Taj Mahal that didn't, you know, <laughs> ring a bell to you? Like, hey, maybe that didn't really happen. But you know, there might be paper proof of that. There, there could sale. be. There could be. 
it's just kind of crazy, you know? Just like our buddy Frank, it's it's like wild that he did all these things and went on these little adventures, you know? Kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm a little jealous because it just sounds very much more interesting than working at the bank. regular job, <laughs> living a regular life, like yeah. me out selling, you know, giant props. I think that's part of the, you know enticing factor to it that's why these people i think do it because it's like you know it's a rush it's a rush yeah exactly it's like you're doing all these things and it's like super cool and yeah the reality for me is that i would just be an anxious mess and probably die and have a heart attack worrying about being caught that would be me too i don't know how these people do this stuff and aren't like freaking out inside the entire time that they're gonna get caught like there's people out there that i'm sure would say the same thing about some of the stuff that we do like you know there's people out there that think we're absolutely bonkers batshit insane for having climbed that cliff in maine you know it's just kind of yeah that's the kind of thing I get off on, though. Like, that's where I get my adrenaline. He is. Yeah. I'm like a sort of an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. I mean, there's people no. like when I talk about my trip to Alaska and how I hiked, hiked through primitive Alaska near grizzly bears for two days, and they're just like, what the fuck? But why would you put yourself in right, a position? Right. You know, so everybody's just different. Everybody's. What? different exactly you know, being completely crazy to them is just normal to us and but i know for sure i couldn't be defrauding people i don't think i'm not dying of an anxiety i don't freak out anxiety. yeah but for these people it was you know a thrill it was exciting and they got money from it i mean they did go to jail but <laughs> you know this guy was very good at escaping though so that's Something. I don't know how you even... I just don't know how you even go about doing that. Especially when he was 84. That's the one that blows my mind the most. Yeah, I have no idea. But I mean, if he actually did it, then... That's just for him. It's <laughs> wild. Craziness. But I am I am working on... I have in the works, like, a, a bigger project. It's just that I was not prepared to do that this week and i didn't think ahead that it was going to be this involved i didn't realize how much of a scumbag said person was so and i didn't realize there was like so much information i mean it happened so we've got two big things coming up then i so yeah you've got enron and uh i've got i'm doing george santos so that should be an interesting one. Yeah. So we got some exciting stuff. So we got some exciting stuff coming up for y'all. And as always, you know, thanks for supporting us, listening, liking, sharing with friends. I mean, I hope people are doing that. I would like to think people are doing that. <laughs> I hope so too. And if it seems too good to be true, it is. If you want to find us on our socials, we are on Facebook at Too Good To Be True Podcast. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Too Good To Be True Pod. If you want to send us an email about literally anything, we don't care. It's 
too good to be true pod at outlook.com if you want to go to our main webpage that's in the show notes you can monetarily support us if you'd like you can also leave us a voice note and let us know if you want us to put it on the show and like cassandra said thanks for listening bye, bye.